Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number three in this series, Heart to Heart in the Holy of Holies. Man, I don't know about you, but the Holy of Holies has always been something that so intrigued me. Because in the beginning, when I read the Bible through for the first time, uh, just the idea of man being able to meet with God, have an encounter with God, and even more importantly, really, was the fact that I discovered that as we have these intimate personal encounters with God, this is actually where all transformation actually takes place, because these are heart-to-heart encounters. These are not mind-to-mind encounters. These are not intellectual encounters. These are not physiological encounters that depend on the five senses. This is about connecting with God heart-to-heart. Now, we know that all that we truly are is manifest through our hearts. All that God truly is, is manifest through his heart. And so we can spend our lives very sincerely putting forth all of this effort to change things on the outside, to change our behavior. And I'm not even saying that's wrong. As a matter of fact, that only becomes wrong when we believe that is our righteousness, when we believe that that behavior modification equates righteousness, uh, because it really doesn't. Righteousness is something that happens in our heart, and because it happens with our heart, which is the seat of our entire being, it permeates every aspect of who we are, and all effortless transformation takes place through the heart of man. So today we're talking about this whole concept of show me God. Now, I'm, I'm sure you went through this as an early believer where where you want it to know who God was. You want it to perceive God. You want it to understand God. And probably, if you were like me, on some level, you were crying out uh, to see God. You were crying out to perceive God. It wasn't so much maybe that you wanted to see him physically, but that you that you wanted to perceive him. You wanted to know who he was. Now, one of the things that we that we discovered is according to the Apostle Paul, the, uh, the, the temple, Solomon's temple, which was built uh, and designed by very explicit instructions from God, and Solomon's temple was somewhat different than the tabernacle of Moses. And it was Solomon's temple that the Apostle Paul referred to when he said, don't you know that you are the temple of God? In other words, we come into this realization that as the temple of God, the Holy of Holies is in us. The place where God wants to meet with us intimately and directly is within us. It is not in a tent somewhere. It's not on a mountain somewhere like Moses encountered. There's nothing wrong with that. All that was progressive revelation, if you will, to bring man to a place to where he could see God as, as he really is. 
But what we understand is this, we have an outline of the internal workings of man that shows us how we can and actually should encounter God, how we can meet with God, and how that this can have this incredible influence on our hearts. Now, before the tabernacle was built in the Old Testament with the children of Israel in the wilderness, Moses actually would pitch a tent himself. He'd go outside of the camp. He would pitch a tent. And when he would go into this tent, uh, we, we've talked about this already, and I talk about this a lot more detail in our audio series. Now, we always provide an audio series for all of these video series that we put online because there are people that always want to go deeper. They want to study the, the original language more. They want to understand more about encountering God. They want to know more about how to apply this to their lives uh, as a disciple and as a leader. And many people want to develop their capacity to be able to teach this and have, you know, have great resources. So be sure if you're interested in taking the, the deep dive into this, be sure and purchase the audio series for this. Now, this audio series is going to have eight messages in it, but we are going to provide this for you at a special, a special price, the price that would normally be for six messages. And keep in mind, every time you Every time you purchase uh, materials from us, you first and foremost make an investment in your own life, in your own relationship with God. And again, these audio series are designed to take you to, to a greater depth of uh, application and all of this stuff. But uh, also remember that this is where we create resources to, raise, to create Bible schools all over the world, to raise up and train leaders all over the world, to write and publish books that that are distributed all over the world to have things on the uh, programs on the internet all over the world. And so when you make this purchase, you not only invest in yourself, you actually invest in the kingdom of God and you invest in the entire world. So be sure and get your series tonight. And you can right now, you can begin going through the audio and the video together. And, and they are not exact duplicates. I don't, I don't ever do exact duplicates of anything. There is some overlap. But I'm telling you, this is going to take you on a deep, deep, deep journey. What we want to do out of this is not just gather a bunch of information. We want to come to the place where we experience the reality uh, that was modeled to us through the tabernacle of the Old Testament, through the tent of meeting in the Old Testament, through Solomon's temple in the Old Testament, all the way up to who we are with Christ in us in the New Testament, in the, in, in the New Covenant. So Moses would, would pitch this tent, and he called it the tent of meeting. And when he would go into this tent of meeting to, to connect with God, what, is, what they call the Shekinah glory would actually descend upon uh, this tent. And Moses, and sometimes Joshua would sneak in there into the tent because he wanted to be in there with God. But Moses and Joshua, man, they, they would seek God and they would spend time in God's presence. Now, here's something that is so powerful. I want you to see this. I want you to get hold of this. One of the things that I have taught for the last almost 50 years is, is uh, the, the permanent power of effortless transformation. You know, transformation does not come by effort. 
The only effort that we have in transformation is persuading our heart. And then when we believe the truth fully in our heart, we enter into a place of rest. And when we enter into that place of rest, we experience a transformation by the power of God that supersedes anything that we could ever, ever encounter with God in any, in any other way. Now, you know, when Moses would go into this tent and meet with God, just the fact that he was there in the presence of God, he would go through personal transformation to such a degree that his face literally began to glow. It began to shine like a bright light. And ultimately, he had to put a veil over his face because this was so overwhelming for the people that were seeing him. Well, I'm telling you, as a new believer, when I, when I picked up on this, I thought, this is what I want. I want to just be in the presence of God. I want to spend time with God. And rather than me going in and telling God what I think I need, I want to go into his presence. I want to commune with him. I want to worship with him. I want him to teach me. I want my heart to be open to him, but I want to walk out of that time of intimacy with him. I want to walk out transformed. I want to walk out actually overcoming uh, problems that I had when I went in there without getting caught up in this, trying to fix myself, without getting caught up into trying to make all these uh, formulas work and all this kind of stuff. I want the kind of transformation that comes effortlessly, effortlessly because of spending time in the presence of God. You know, so so Moses would encounter the Shekinah glory, this cloud of glory that would descend upon this tent of meeting. Now, in the ta- in the temple as well as in the tabernacle, when a person would 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 come in and now, now remember Jesus is the living sacrifice. All the sacrifices that were made in the in the tabernacle and in the temple, they were all types of what Jesus would ultimately do himself to make it possible for us to enter into the inner holy of holies, enter into the presence of God, enter into this supernatural place of, 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 of transformation. And so, so even in the holy of holies, there was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant on the top of it had a solid gold mercy seat. I just love that. I love that when you encounter God, you are going to encounter him on a mercy seat. You're not going to encounter him and, and have to be afraid and have to be ashamed and have to feel, you know, all of your shortcomings, all that kind of stuff. When you encounter him, you are always going to be coming to the throne of grace where you get grace and mercy to help in your time of need. You know, mercy is for the past. Mercy is where is where our past deeds are are forgiven. Grace is for the future so that we don't have to keep repeating those mistakes, that we can be empowered by the Spirit of God so that we can go through uh, through this supernatural transformation. And so and so Moses was going to the tent of meeting, and of course, like I said, this kind of glory would come down. He would go through transformation. And, and, and I'm telling you, I, I, I don't have time to go through it in, in this series, but Moses' entire leadership style changed because of the things that he learned as he began to perceive God as he really was. Now, when, when the tabernacle was built, and later on when the temple was built, and you would make a sacrifice when you go into the outer courtyard, which was a type of Jesus 
uh, uh, being our sacrifice of him taking his own blood and going into the Holy of Holies and, and opening the way and the curtain that he went through uh, or, or that the high priest would go through would be, would be the veil of his flesh. We go in through him, through his physical body. He sprinkles his blood on us, on our heart, so we have no condemnation, so, uh, uh, so we have a clear conscience, so that we can stand before him unashamed, unafraid, and like I say, experience grace and mercy in our time of need. And, uh, and there, on that mercy seat, which had two cherubim on top of it, cherubim were a particular kind of angelic being with their wings stretched forward toward each other in this space between the mercy seat and the wings of the cherubim uh the glory of god much like the shekinah glory of god would manifest and god would speak out of his glory he would speak forth from literally who he was now it's a and to me it's an incredibly interesting thing that man in this realm, living in this physical realm that we are, this created physical realm, we were never designed to actually uh, see God through our five senses. In other words, you know, God Himself said, He said, "Look, you you can't see me and live." Now, I don't I don't think that that's a, that that's a harsh negative thing, as much as the fact that if to the degree that we see Him, according to the Apostle John in the book of 1 John uh, chapter 3, to the degree that we see him, we will become like him because we will see him as he is. So if we were to actually see God, we would die physically. Why? Because we could no longer live in this physical body. Uh, we can no longer live in this environment of sin. And actually, we will all go through this transformation uh, when we experience what the Bible calls the harpazo. Now, some people call it the rapture. The word rapture is from a Latin word that you don't find anywhere in the New Testament, but it is a Latin word that refers to another Greek word, which is called harpazo, which is the great catching away, the great, uh, the great snatching away. And this is, this is when we all meet him in the air and we are changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye and we become like him because we see him or we perceive him as he is. But I want you to understand something. In this holy place, God is really not interested and is really not to your benefit just to have these supernatural experiences where maybe you, you experience something, like I say, that you can realize through your physical body or through your, through your five senses. Now, one of the problems with the five senses, which really is, is the flesh, Anything, anything that comes to you through any of your five senses is part of the system of the flesh. And anything that comes to you through your five senses, taste, touch, uh, smell, sight, hearing, anything that comes to you through your five senses actually uh, influences your nervous system. And your nervous system thereby influences your hormones. Your hormones cause you to have emotional experiences. And one of the problems is we have this tendency that when we do have encounters with God where, where our senses are affected, we have this tendency to think 
that these physiological feelings that we have are actually spiritual. They're, they're not spiritual. They're just physiological. You know, I can remember the first time I ever laid hands on a cripple that stood up and walked. I got news for you. I had chills all over my body. I, I can't I can't even tell you all of the all of the physiological responses and emotional responses that I had the first time I ever saw that kind of a miracle. The first time uh, I ever I ever saw a person with leprosy get healed. The first time I ever saw a person get up out of a out of a sick bed and immediately uh, recover. I'm telling you, I have experienced some of these things. And you have these incredible experiences, but they are actually emotional experiences. And the problem with emotional experiences is, is number one, we tend to create a concept or a definition of reality based on emotional experiences. And number two, anything that comes to us through your five senses, then through your nervous system, then affects your hormones, and then causes this flood of emotions, you have to realize that in order to have that same intensity of an emotional experience, you have to have stronger input. So, you know, the first time you go to church and you raise your hands and you worship God, and I can remember the first time I ever raised my hands in worship, I, I felt this incredible flood of peace. I felt this incredible flood of God's presence. But, you know, in time, this became so normal to me that raising my hands, unless I engaged my heart, that raising my hands no longer gave me that same level of stimulation. And this is, uh, and this is why many people then say, okay, then I've got to do something more bizarre. I've got to, I've got to dance now. I've got to jump. I've got to run. I've got to leap. I've got to swing on a chandelier or, or, or whatever. It's because it's taking more stimuli to, uh, uh, to bring forth that level of emotional intensity. Now, there's another factor with anything that comes to us through our five senses, and is this. The way the mind works, is, and now remember, the mind always seeks to preserve your ego. Your ego is your false identity. And so the way the mind preserves your ego is by convincing you that you are right. So if there's something about which you have developed an opinion, then your mind will cause you to notice through your five senses, it will cause you to notice the things that confirm your opinion. And so eventually at the end of the day, you notice all of the input that tells you your opinion is right but you somehow miss all of the input that says, oh, that was really, really, really a stupid idea. But you have to remember the ego is the false identity. So the mind seeks to guard and protect the ego. Uh, the heart seeks to guard and protect the true identity, who we are uh, in Jesus. Now, one of the ways that the mind always can attempts to convince you that you're right is this. Every time you get a bit of information through your five senses, one of the things that the mind does, it immediately compares that to something you have seen or experienced in the past. And it's going to, it's going to attempt to, your mind is going to attempt to cause you to define or understand what you're seeing or interpret what you're seeing 
based on some past experience. Now, the problem with that is, and man, I could spend hours on that about how that how that negatively affects our relationships, how that causes us to have certain fears and paranoias. But but basically, we get trapped in past experiences, past beliefs, past definitions. We get trapped in those places because the mind will use past experiences to define what is happening in your world right now. Now, I could spend hours talking about this, how that how that this is one of the reasons that children will become afraid. They'll think they'll get paranoid. They'll think that they're seeing something. They'll think they're seeing a monster outside when in fact, they're just seeing a shadow. They're just hearing a noise that they've heard, but maybe they've seen a movie. Uh, that's a scary movie that, 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 that their mind says, Oh no, this is what happened. And this is what happened in that scary movie where that monster came out and, that, and, and, and murdered that person. So suddenly, the shadow that you heard, the wind that you heard blowing through the leaves, suddenly your mind is convincing you that that is something that you have seen in the past. Now, God warns us against creating any kind of likeness of him, any kind of likeness that we would perceive. You know, uh, you, you look at pictures, artwork, that uh, and statues that, that, that were pictures that were painted and statues that uh, that attempt to depict Jesus. Now, when I look at that, I look at that and, and, and really, actually, I don't look at that. I don't, I don't watch movies about that try to show me who Jesus is. I don't look at artwork that tries to show me who God is or who Jesus is. Why? Because I do not want my five senses and my carnal mind to attempt to define for me who God is. I don't want my faith built on an illusion that, that, is, that is established trying to uh, protect my ego. But you see, when God meets with us, and we talked about this in the very first message, when God meets with us, he communicates with us heart to heart. Now, since your heart is really the seat of your identity, and it's the seat of God's identity. Every person's true identity is actually housed, uh, for lack of a better word, in our heart. And the beliefs of the heart, the memories of the heart, the thoughts of the heart, and this sort of thing. And so, so God wants to meet with us heart to heart. And since our identity is involved in this, when we meet with God, we begin to consider if if we're if it's a heart thing, we begin to consider what who we would be, what what we would look like, not so much what God would look like. What would I look like if I'm living a godly life? What would I look like if I was moral? What would I look like if I had better ethics and better honesty and, and, and this sort of thing? And so we begin to see the glory of God as it as it takes us through transformation and takes us into a totally new lifestyle, but that doesn't happen because we create some false image of God. That happens because as we discover who God is and we believe that in our heart, then our sense of identity starts to change, and that's where true transformation takes place. You know, we live in a day when when the concept of being a disciple of the Lord Jesus is, is, is all but lost. People quote scripture. 
they don't know much about the Bible. You know, Christians don't know that they really don't have a very in-depth biblical knowledge. They don't, they can't connect hardly any of the dots in the Bible about anything. They can just find particular scriptures that they like. And I'm, thank God that they can. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for, for all of that. But, but we are not called to be Christian. We are not called to go to church. We are called to be believers, disciples, servants, leaders, sons of God, heirs of God. In other words, we need to be looking at the biblical terminology uh, that is used that describes what happens or who we are as people who deeply and intimately connect with God. Now, the difference between a disciple and a student is this, a student wants to know the information that the teacher knows, but a disciple wants to live like the teacher lives. Now, one of the most incredible scriptures, I can remember this when I read it for the first time over 50 years ago, how it exploded in, in, uh, in, in my own heart. Uh, and it's in Psalm 103, verse 6, but it's also repeated again in the book of Hebrews, where it, it talks about the fact that God made his ways uh, known unto Moses, but his acts or his deeds unto the children of Israel. Now, this word ways, anytime you see the word way or the word path, you know this is talking about a lifestyle. You know that this is talking about something that has to do with who you are, how you live your life, how you think, how you treat people, all these kinds of things. What's well, kind of interesting, that word uh, ways in the Hebrew, the root word is spelled dalit rush kop. Now, what's very interesting about that, the, the word Dalit always speaks of a portal, and we know that the portal into the presence of God is in the heart. And then the second uh, letter in the root word for way is the word resh, which has to do with, with being willing to be taught. It has to do with having a repentant, teachable attitude. And the letter cop, cough or cop, it's, it, it can be pronounced either way. This is a really interesting letter because this is a letter that says the form of what you are seeing is a manifestation of what is on the inside. Now, the children of Israel, they never, never, never overcame their beliefs about the gods that they picked up in occult religion in Egypt. And so, their, no matter what God said to them, their minds immediately went back to, this is what happens to us, our religious background, our family background, through our traditions and our cultures. We immediately translate everything that we hear or read into something that we have been taught from our past. And so if we're not approaching God with our hearts open and uh, approaching God with a teachable, repentant attitude, we will see the outward form, but we will never understand what that outward form represents. God wants us to know who he is. He wants us to understand him. He wants us to perceive the truth about him. He, 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 wants, uh, us, he wants to be understandable to us. Listen, go back and listen to every bit of this. Be sure and go through the audio series and check this out and share this with all your friends, because I'm telling you, I believe you're watching this because you want to know God's ways. You don't want to just know the information about it. So join me next week, and we're going to take another dive in, in this journey into effortless transformation in the Holy of Holies. All right, blessings to you. I'll talk to you again soon. 
Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.